0: the Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Now, these episodes are generally recorded well ahead of time, but if we met at the Halloween 40 event in Pasadena this past weekend, hello and welcome. As of this recording, I have no idea how fun that event will have been, but I can imagine that I spent at least some of the time standing around awkwardly, some of the time making new weird friends that like Halloween, uh, while talking uh, a movie that's been with some of us for four decades. I will try to include more details about how that event went in a later episode, maybe edited into the next one. I don't know yet. Or cool. how about now? Plenty of people online, and it hasn't started yet. Lots of t-shirts... Posters. There's a guy with a binder with a bunch of DVD covers. Only seen one cosplayer so far, but it looked like it was a kid. So that's cool.
1: Just walking away from day one, Saturday, of the H40 convention in Pasadena. Uh, Since I'm walking, I don't have my notes out. (laughs) Just getting away from the noise. Maybe sit down, record something before I even head home. Uh, The last thing I did today. Well, two things. Got Nick Castle's signature on my poster. I can't afford all these signatures, but I wanted to get his because my old Halloween poster needed something. And then I met a guy named Shane who has really awesome old posters and stuff. He's going to get signed and albums. He had a suitcase full of stuff, plus a bunch of posters between boards. I saw another guy. I might try to catch him day two. He had a little miniature Myers house, a couple feet tall. It was really cool. They really got people to sign the side of it. Which is pretty awesome. Once I am home, gonna catch a lift, get home, record something with a little better sound quality. Based on my notes. Talk to a lot of people. Didn't get many signatures, just the one. Got some photos of a few people, they've already been up on Instagram at Michael Myers Minute, and I'll be right back.
0: Like, these movies by Minute Podcasts are all about people obsessing about particular movies and obsessing about these singular things in their lives. And this Halloween convention is like, I don't know, a few thousand people all obsessing for the day about this one thing. Or, wow, these 11 things. There's 11 movies.
1: It's nice being in this place with a bunch of people that are. Like, they're all getting along. Well, that's not true. You'll hear when I get to my notes. Actually, I could just tell you now. The Halloween
0: 5 panel. Dude in the audience gets up and. I swear the first sentence of his question, he talked about the director ruining the franchise and then said something else negative, was asking the people up on the panel. The director was, wasn't was even there.
1: He's asking the people on the panel what they think of that and then ends with, I blame him for Halloween 6. I'm like, dude, I love Halloween 6. Sit down. But I wouldn't I wouldn't actually tell him to sit down. Go ahead and
0: ask your question. But what was awesome is Tamara Glenn, who plays uh, Samantha, takes the mic. Up
1: on like up on stage, she gets grabs her mic, and she immediately goes into this most positive answer about Dominique, the director, and how everything that he put into the
0: movie he did with passion, and he was nice and good. I afterward, I actually went to her table where she had like photo op and signing and stuff, and I just went up and I'm like. Put out my hand, and I said, that answer to that question. She knew what question I was talking about. I'd be like, that was amazing. And perfect. And she said thank you, and it was great. Anyway, I will wait in silence. Maybe you can listen to the cars going by. No, I'll totally edit this out. Even if I left it in the recording, I'd leave. Li- out of the show later anyway I hope this is in Monday's episode minute 40 in time for H40 this Thursday night we get the movie it's not called H40 and actually if H40 were the option of just going Halloween with no numbers no anything I'd rather go for just Halloween and be confused by that because I always hated the title H20 or H20 it sounded like water to me the movie is fine but the title Halloween 20 years later, I get. Halloween 40 years later, I would get. H20, H40? Nah, H40
1: is a convention hashtag. I'll be right back.
0: Now, I've actually gotten home twice since the convention, and I'll explain. So I get all the way home. I was recording that last bit, and my ride shows up. And apparently I got up so quickly that I grabbed my poster tube with my signed poster in it and left my bag, which was the same color as the wall I was sitting on, sitting on the wall got lift that was actually kind of cool because i did a shared ride and the other guy who was in it was a guy from the other side of the convention center just coming out of the convention too so that was fun we talked about the convention and stuff on the ride so i get home realize i don't have my bag go backwards in my head and figure out i'm pretty sure i left it on the wall so i end up driving back to pasadena And my bag was sitting exactly where I left it. So I got my shirt. New image for the new movie with Michael Myers' old mask, like the really old mask, really close up. That's the shirt I got today. And I got some socks because if you knew me in person, you'd know I have a lot of t-shirts and a lot of weird socks. I have something like 70-something shirts. I don't even know how many pairs of socks. I haven't counted them. But a lot. And so I got some Halloween socks because I didn't have any. Now, as for my notes from today, there are so many. Check the Instagram again at Michael Myers Minute. You'll see a little time lapse of all the notes. Many pages. Because I went to all the panels. Well, I didn't go to the live recording with Tom Atkins of some podcast. I forget what podcast it was. But they had the Halloween 2 panel. I won't get into too much detail on my notes because. In theory, this podcast will continue past the first Halloween, into the second, into the fourth, into the fifth, into the sixth, and so on. And I'll save these notes for that. Um, I'm looking through right now, seeing if there's anything really interesting that I learned today from my notes. I don't think so. I mean, well, it was all interesting. I mean, interesting that I need to share it immediately. That kind of interesting. I already told you the story. And the sound quality was good enough, I'll leave it in. It's a little off, but it's fine. About Tamara and her answer to the guy who basically insulted the director of Halloween 5. That wasn't nice. But she was great, and I went and told her that right after. Next time I saw her. Uh, As for me, oh, my big mistake today. Not just leaving my bag behind. Somehow, even though Erwin Yablans is 84 years old, he was standing in front of the poster of his son as Richie, and I said something about him playing that part and how people always call the kid who bumps into Michael Loney instead of Richie, and he's like, oh, you mean my son? I'm like, yeah, I do. I totally know who he is. I've seen Erwin Yablans. I know what Mickey Yablans looks like. It was just a weird brain mix-up. This one was funny. Matthew Walker played Spitz in Halloween Five. He tried to keep his mask because he had a mask of Michael as well. He wears. He tried to keep it. Took it back to the trailer, and when he came back, it was gone. They had they had taken it back. Now, separate from the panels. Panels were cool. Uh, they had Halloween Two, Halloween Five, Halloween Six today, and then a panel for the new movie, which was pretty cool. I really want to have a conversation with James Jude Courtney because he's weirdly philosophical and thoughtful about playing Michael, and I was impressed. I might tell him that tomorrow if I get a chance to talk to him. But he has had a he had a long line all day today. Sausage Jensen, I told him I. This is maybe weird, but okay. In Halloween Four, he's going up in the attic because uh, Meeker has told him to go up there and nail the window shut, right? And he tells Rachel, "I'm going to be outside upstairs in the attic since 1988, 30 years now." I have been quoting that line like I'm headed upstairs for something or I'm going to go take a shower or I'm going out of the kitchen. I will say to people I'm going to be outside upstairs in the attic. And so I tell him this and he's like he just looks at me for a second. He's like that was probably just me screwing up the line. He's like but I need a quote and at first I didn't realize what he meant for that. And so I'm talking to him saying he was great. Movie was cool. And then just out of curiosity, I open up a PDF of the script to see if the line's in there and it's a specific phrasing that he messed up. The line's not in there at all. So I go back and tell him, yeah, it's not even in the script. And so we had a whole conversation about how like on the set, they'll be like, the script says, and he leaves. And so then someone would be like, say something. And so basically on on the spot, he's told to say something to Rachel. Well, it's Ali Cornell. And he's like, uh, ooh, uh, I'm going to be outside upstairs in the attic. But what he meant by, I'm going to, I need a quote. He tells me, Yeah, I just put that on a signature. <laughs> so he signed an autograph after talking to me and wrote, I'm going to be outside upstairs in the attic. And I thought that was awesome. Like, I hope he just signs that all the time now. And it's because of me. And that's cool. I met, who else did I meet today? Lance Guest jimmy halloween too, and i told him and later told nick castle that last starfighter is like one of my one of the best movies of the 80s and i also told jimmy i informed him because he didn't know that his character dies at the end of the first death of laurie strode and he's like oh i died <laughs> or something <laughs> and he's like well then why'd they name that kid jamie lloyd <laughs> he's, he's like his assumption not that they named the character after jamie lee curtis which obviously they did but their her name is jamie because she's named after her father james And I'm like, yeah, that works, too. I'm like, yeah, she's totally your kid. (laughs) So that was fun. Who else did we talk to? Jeffrey Landman, who plays Billy in Halloween 5. He was cool because it was his first movie and he was young. And he said his first day of shooting was like an eight-hour shoot for a scene, one scene. And that scene didn't even make it into the movie. About a great moment there was I asked, I actually asked him, I'm like, so what do you think Billy's doing now? Because, you know, he lived. And he's like, I think Billy grew up, I think he didn't see much of the violence directly, so he was okay. And he grew up to be a speech pathologist. He had mentioned in the panel that uh he got his stammering, stuttering, got made fun of at school. Yeah, so that sucks. But, hey, he got to be in a Halloween movie and gets to do these conventions and gets to do what he wants. Um... I told David Kyle, who plays uh, Judas' boyfriend, way back, you know, minutes one through six. No, one, actually, he leaves in, what, minute four. So it's barely any screen time. I asked him if girls thought, like, saw the movie and then thought he wouldn't be a very good boyfriend. Because cause of the quickie, you know, because he's barely upstairs. He's like, oh, no, girls. <laughs> how did he put it? Girls, um... Not came on to me. He's, what phrase did he use? Some old thing. Ah, I don't remember the phrase he used. But, like, the movie worked for him. It, he was in a movie. It was okay. It was good. But, yeah, he asked dumb questions like that. Uh, I got to talk to Michael Myers. Young Michael Myers. Da- what's his nickname, Dave. I don't even know how you pronounce his name. Dave Fairch from Rob Zombie Remake. And Hannah Hall from the Rob Zombie Remake. Talked to A. Michael Lerner, who was one of the Michael Myers in Halloween 6. Saw Kim Routley Walker again. Talked to her. Said hi. Uh, Eric Preston said hi. There were a bunch of Michael Cosplayers and other stuff going on. Sorry, I'm pausing so much. I'm looking at my notes to see if there's anything else that jumps out. At the (laughs) the Halloween. Well, okay. Halloween 2 panel. Dick Warlock invites someone up to the stage to do something. And dude proposes to his girlfriend in front of everybody. And at the uh, new one. 2018 panel Nick Castle's not on the panel right and right in the middle of the panel as I think it was James G. Courtney who was talking yeah Nick just comes walking in the back of the convention walks up to the mic asks the audience how everything's going and it just leaves old dude getting to do what he wants because he hey he's Michael Myers coming back to things that we've said in this podcast before James G. Courtney had an interesting notion about Michael where he he didn't want to intellectualize the character too much, and he just wanted this sort of empathic response. Part of that was, what you, I forget, I, I wish I could have gotten the line word for word, but he was speaking very quickly. It was something about, like, humans tend to be bounded by their problems, like their the things in their lives that get in the way, their hopes and their fears and stuff and all that. And Michael is boundless. And so that's how he played him. Michael doesn't exist in a world where he has problems like that. And uh, Ryan Freeman had a good description for the way the entire franchise works now. Is it's like a choose-your-own-adventure. You can go from the original Halloween, jump straight to the new one. Or from the original to the second one, to H20, to Resurrection. Or you can go the original, to the second, to the fourth, to the fifth, to the sixth. Like, you can pick your different routes. Goes back to what was it Andy Nelson, one of my guests, said about... I think it was Andy, about them being like comic books, comic book continuity. The movie does what it does, and then someone else comes and makes their own Michael Myers movie. And on that note, I had an idea today on trying to fill in a gap in the other things, like take the Chaos comics and turn it into a movie, or take the Night Dance and turn it into a movie. Rather than go forward, fill in the blanks. Because I like the idea of the whole series being one continuity and not having this choose-your-own-adventure. I like both. You know i I like both, but there's more tomorrow, and I'll record more tomorrow about it, but it was fun. It's a long day, and probably even longer for some of them standing around talking to anyone who comes up, people shaking hands. There were a bunch of people more there that I didn't talk to today because it's like if I didn't have a specific question, I wasn't going to get in line if they had a line, or I wasn't going to approach them just to say I just wanted to meet you because it's not that I didn't just want to meet them be, it's cool to meet any of them. I feel like I want to make more of an impression. Like, Urban Yoblands, I told him about my podcast, and he gave me his email address, you know. I asked Hannah Hall if she'd want to talk about the entire franchise entirely. Like, Like, in theory, I'll get to your movie eventually, but not anytime soon. But I'd love to talk to you about any of it, because why not, you know? I didn't get the chance to tell Nick Castle about it, but my shirt tomorrow, today, it was just the Michael Myers Minute logo. The half mask with the headphones. Tomorrow is the more elaborate one that has the same image off to the side and then actually says Michael Myers Minute podcasting Halloween one minute at a time, which I also have business cards that say that, that I was handing out. I'm going to try and hand out some more tomorrow and meet more people just to see if they have interesting things to say. Because they all have stories and they're all kind of, they're all really nice. It's like, um, who was it that was talking about it? Was it Wendy Kaplan? Maybe Mariah O'Brien from Halloween 6. Might have been her. Talking about how it's interesting to see the older people that have grown up on Halloween and now there's like millennials that are just catching up to it and they send her messages online and call her like Ms. O'Brien. Or if it was Wendy Kaplan, Ms. Kaplan. No, I think it was I think it was Mariah. And it's like this whole new generation is discovering these things. There was a guy in the 2018 panel who said he became a fan of Not from any of the movies, but from playing Michael Myers in Dead by Daylight. And that's how he got to it. Now he's watched the movies since, but that's how he came to it. And there were so many people there. Other than that, one guy's negative question about Halloween 5. It was good. Like, I'm not going to walk up to Tom Atkins and say, yeah, I don't really like Season of the Witch, you know? Season of the Witch is fine. I don't dislike it. I just wish it weren't there. (laughs) (laughs) That's not very nice. Anyway, I should shut up now because there's going to be more of this. Maybe I'll let the Johnny part of this go and we'll talk about minute 40. And then I'll insert day two on Wednesday. How's that? That sounds like a good plan. Gives me a little more time. So I don't have to do this again tomorrow night. Because you can probably tell from my voice, I don't have much energy right now. It is only nine o'clock and I'm tired. I think I might sit and watch a movie though. Because that's what you do. That's what I do. Yeah, I have a problem, though. Right now, I want to watch Halloween 5 and Halloween 6 and Halloween 4 and Halloween 2 and Halloween. That's it. Not 20 Resurrection or Zombie 1 and 2. <laughs> I certainly watch the new one now, but I'm seeing it Thursday night. Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Because I can. Because I already got my ticket. And it's going to be amazing. Well, yeah, no, I can say it's going to be amazing. I don't know if it's going to be good. I've heard it's good. But it will still be amazing. Anyway, back to the minute at hand. Minute 40. Additionally, this Friday, we get the new Halloween film. I will try, to, definitely try to insert a review of that into next Monday's episode, Minute 43. If I don't manage to get it into Friday's, because I'm seeing it Thursday. But for now, we are in minute 40, and Johnny Powers of the Austin Powers Minute is with us one more time. Welcome back, Johnny.
2: I have to be here to represent the other Mike Myers.
0: Yes, he needs representation. (laughs) Now, you were talking at the end of the last minute about going ahead and watching the Halloween series. Are you going to try to do that in time to watch the new one when it comes out this Friday?
2: I know that I will only... Oh, I don't even know if I'll get through because I'll be in Denver.
0: Oh yeah, you're gonna be busy.
2: Yeah, I'll probably have to back burner that until I get back, okay. and then watch the new one after I marathon. Because I won't, I won't watch the new one until I watch all of the other uh, prerequisite films.
0: <laughs> now, because of this isn't a spoiler, because of the way the new one is filmed, you could actually just watch this first one all the way through and then watch the new one. Okay. Because the new one is kind of ignoring all of the rest, which is both a good and bad thing. Okay. So you could watch it.
2: I'll at least watch the first one all the way through, see how I feel, Okay. and then decide either way, whether I'm going to go dive into right. the new one or if I feel like I want to be a purist and watch all of them first.
0: It's interesting. I don't know if some fans, if that's the purist, well, okay. or the purist <laughs> would be to jump to the new one. But I get what you mean. I agree. I would call that a purist. That's what I do. I've seen all of them and seen all but the first one in the theater. So.
2: I would think that you would want to watch like original Like, content. Like, when it happened first, and then, like, remakes after, see how it compares.
0: Yeah. The new one's not a remake, but it is a direct sequel to the first one, pretending the others didn't happen.
2: Mm. Are they creating, like, a whole new timeline?
0: Kinda, yeah. Uh, The comics tried to, when they did this before 20 years ago and brought back the characters from the first, the Lori, the main character from the first two, the comics actually tried to tie that timeline back into the original one. And I like that comic. This one, I don't think that's going to be possible. So yeah, it's basically a new timeline of where the first one happened 40 years ago and now the new one.
2: Mm. Okay.
0: But yeah, I like the idea that purist is to go watch all the rest. So, minute 40 begins in Judy's old bedroom at the Myers' house. Dr. Loomis is recounting his first meeting with Michael to Sheriff Brackett. Loomis, I met this six-year-old child with a blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I love the music here. It's got more of that, like, subtle creepiness going on with Carpenter's score. Mm-hmm. As Loomis, as we talked about last minute, Loomis being in his crazy self, spent 8 years trying to reach him and then another 7 trying to keep him locked up because i realized what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil
2: but like are you projecting though <laughs> maybe a little bit because there's no i find it hard to feel like there's a 6 year old that's irredeemable yeah cuz most irredeemability happens in like preteens <laughs> like from like s- from like true crime like serial killers and stuff it starts like Most of the signs present themselves, like, a little bit later than Six. Yeah.
0: Although, as far as the signs go, he had previously killed a rabbit. That's not in this movie, but in one of the comics. So he does have one of the, like, serial killer things going for him.
2: One of the triad?
0: Yeah. I don't think they ever cover the others.
2: He didn't uh, get a head injury? No, no. And he didn't bed
0: wet? Not that they mention. Maybe he did. Okay. I only recently, doing this format, noticed that we even see his bedroom, even though the camera passed through it, and I've seen this movie so many times. Because you're always waiting for him to get to the next room where he kills his sister. But yeah, there's no sign there on the bed that that's true, no. Mm -hmm. But in one of the comics, yes, he did kill a rabbit.
2: I don't know, like, yeah, that's kind of bad if you're... I don't know in what world that like a little kid that small would kill an animal hmm. unless it's like on accident. Was it an accident in the comic or was it like malicious? No.
0: His, well, we don't see it happen, but his sister has to take him on a road trip with her and her boyfriend. And then she asks him to leave them alone for a little while. And then he interrupts them having sex and he's his hands are all bloody because he just killed a rabbit. We don't actually, I don't think we see the rabbit get killed but it's definitely not a... It's not framed as an accident, no. Hmm.
2: Weird. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to, You're like... trying to
0: frame him as a proper serial killer.
2: Well, I'm trying to, like, frame it as, like, why? Like, why... Why the doctor would feel that way? Why he would start killing such a, at such a young age?
0: Remember, listeners, Johnny hasn't seen the rest of the movie just these three minutes
2: i'm sorry guys you guys hate me you guys are like yelling and no it's, in your car it's a nice perspective
0: your <laughs> it's fun you also haven't heard probably in my minute three episode where i've read the prologue to the novel where you find out ex- basically exactly why michael kills people and it's because he's sort of possessed by a celtic kid named enda who killed a girl he liked and her like betrothed out of anger and then was cursed it's really it's kind of lame but what it a is weird
2: paranormal explanation
0: <laughs> it gets worse trust me when you watch the movies the sixth one or one of the reasons people don't like it is because it sets up a whole extra element to that backstory which isn't even in this first movie that didn't make it into the film
2: So they like flesh out the whole like Celtic boy or...
0: Not the specifics, but that there is a curse on like the Myers bloodline going back to like Celtic roots. And it essentially, there's this cult that is sort of helping Michael get out of the hospital, helping Michael find, I won't spoil some other stuff in case you don't know, but the person he's, the reason he's going to go after the person he does in this movie is... Because of something related to them. That's lame. And so by the time people got to that sixth film, which is, that's in, what, 95? So 17 years after the original. And you're getting an explanation that a lot of people didn't care for in a movie that was poorly edited. And had to be recut for a producer's cut that they released later that was a little bit better. So yeah, some people don't like that movie. Because it's trying to over-explain. I mean, you're trying to figure it out because you don't know the overall thing this movie doesn't frame michael as something that needs to be explained it's more like he's a force of nature Mm -hmm. there's a specific discussion about fate earlier in the film when lori is in class and it's about like the inevitability of death and dangers of the world coming to a small
2: town basically but that's just like confronting like confronting your own mortality yeah in a way which i mean we all do that periodically in life so that's not abnormal i just find it so weird that they hi he's possessed also there's a cult helping him what
0: (laughs) Well, i don't think the movies ever say he's possessed that's specific to the novelization of this one
2: okay but why would a cult help him (laughs) if he wasn't
0: it's been a little while since i watched the sixth one but as i remember it you know spoilers the cult is basically directing him to kill the right people he he needs to kill people in his bloodline because that way that sacrifice keeps other people safe.
2: Well, that's unfortunate.
0: And so they keep helping him come back and do it. And his great-grandfather, I believe, or grandfather, also, like, murdered two people at a dance in the late 1800s. It's mentioned in the novel. And so it's been, like, this ongoing thing in this bloodline that occasionally they kill people. How bizarre. Yeah.
2: I'm sorry I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm just, like, my brain is trying to wrap around this, like, plot choice, (laughs) I guess.
0: Well, yeah, you want to put explanation on it and that's what the movies try to do the second one the listeners all know what i'm talking about the second one gives a specific reason why he goes after the person he goes after in this movie that this movie doesn't give us and then the fourth film offers us a new person in his bloodline that he has to go after and then the fifth is a continuation of that and the sixth is a continuation of that tying into this cult
2: okay i feel like i'm gonna do my homework (laughs) And I'll come back with different feelings. Maybe. In the listeners group. But like...
0: <sighs> or if you, if you watch them anytime soon, like before this is done, come back and be a guest again and we mm-hmm. get that changed perspective.
2: Ooh, you'll watch me transform. Yeah,
0: that could be fun. <laughs> be like, go back to thirty-eight, I'm thirty-nine, just, and 40 when she had no idea.
2: Where I'm just like a dumb listener. <laughs> it's fine. I just like i i kind of like the idea of like doing this so like throwing yourself into a movie that you're not familiar with with minutes that you are literally watching for the first you're cold watching them yeah but now i feel stupid because i have so many questions
0: the questions are good because sometimes they bring up things like you're trying to frame him as a serial killer which gives us a different perspective on dr loomis what did he see in this six-year-old he's saying he sees like his eyes you know was evil but that's not how people are. Real serial killers, you don't look at them and see that they're evil. They're usually charming, right? That's how they get close to people. Well,
2: they have like they're weird, sociopath but... tendencies.
0: Yeah. But they can, you don't look in their eyes and just see evil.
2: I mean, unless they've gone too far.
0: Maybe Richard Ramirez. He, he was a little bit. Yeah. You're
2: you you you're that serial killer who's gone too far. You, no, Definitely no turning back. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, you're you're just like evil. That's cool. I'll stay away from you.
0: The one I think of is, like, Ted Bundy, where, like, he was charming enough to pick up women and then he would Mm -hmm. kill them, you know? It wasn't that there was something off-putting about him in the first place.
2: Yeah, which is... That's what's so bizarre about, like, this movie it's like if you knew at six that he was that evil, why would you spend eight years of your life trying to rehabilitate someone you think was irredeemable unless you either projected that feeling onto him of like something within yourself or you were trying to fix yourself through <laughs> him, yeah, which is also strange.
0: That's so, why have you seen the movie Psycho
2: Bits and pieces? you know it, I know it
0: there's. The doctor here, Samuel Loomis, is named after a character from Psycho. And I saw a theory online where they said not only is he named after him, but this character is supposed to be that character. Like, he got into psychiatry because of what happened in that movie. And I'm like, I kind of like that idea. He dealt with this one crazy killer thing he couldn't understand, and so he tried to go deal with more and ends up dealing with Michael Myers, who's, yeah, this patient who doesn't fit. There's At six years old, he shouldn't be irredeemable and if he's so evil at six old why does he sit in a hospital instead of go kill more people or do something else bad yeah like if you try to put loomis's speech here into like a logical thing michael doesn't make sense
2: well it makes sense in that fan theory concept of like yeah like that he's gonna he's gonna take it to the ends of the earth so that that doesn't happen again but it winds up happening anyway right over
0: and over again because the sequels
2: yeah well (laughs) just more murder all the time
0: (laughs) but in this film it's only a few was it four people die well in 1978 he also killed his sister at 63 so five people die in the whole movie but then the second movie is this same night, like, later in the night at the hospital, and he kills a bunch more. So, Lewis is sort of right. This person that he saw was dangerous and never should have been out of the hospital. But then you get into larger issues of, like, defining evil, which I've dealt with in previous minutes, like cosmic evil or fate or whatever you want to call it. If Michael is that thing, why do we think he'd ever be stoppable? Why would Willis try? Why does he pull out that gun?
2: Yeah, especially if they posit it as like, oh, he's like a force of nature. Yeah. Is is the Doctor supposed to be his immovable object? (laughs) Is that what this is creating? Like, the Doctor is his uh, shaky, immovable object.
0: (laughs) Maybe. I mean, as much as he interacts with the Doctor over the course of the movies, he doesn't directly try to kill him too often. The doctors just always, they're like two, like a binary star system of good and evil revolving around each other as Michael keeps coming back for more.
2: Which is subjective in itself, is who is the evil and who's good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which one is driving it? If in a previous minute, you didn't see this, but if Lori hadn't gone by the Myers house, would Michael even be following her? If Loomis didn't come back to town, would Michael be killing anyone? Maybe he just was have stayed in his house, in this house and been sitting there eating his dog,
2: but one one string of fate begets another, yeah, like continuation of something else.
0: I have a whole rant about the strands of fate in in minute seventeen dealing with like how one little step in this chain leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next in this chain in the movie, Michael killed his sister for whatever reason when he was six. Ever since then, he's had this doctor calling him evil, saying he shouldn't be let out. And not only shouldn't he be let out, he should be in a heavier security facility. Mm -hmm. So when Michael gets out, what's he supposed to do?
2: And then at what step of the way, if he would have killed the doctor, what would have happened?
0: Well, yeah. Who steps in? Would he have
2: stopped killing?
0: I don't want to spoil the later movies for you to answer that question, but it's a good question. Yeah.
2: For someone who hasn't seen them... (laughs) I'm just, like, trying to flesh it out of, like, what even I would want out of it. Yeah,
0: if Loomis stops him, what does Loomis do? If Michael kills Loomis, what does Michael do? Or who takes up Loomis's place?
2: Well, yeah. Well, Loomis, I would feel like if he killed Michael, it would have to be, like, interflexion. Donald
0: Donald Pleasance, who plays Dr. Loomis, died in 1995, and so the sixth film they couldn't finish it properly because they didn't have him anymore and so in the comics after that they deal with his death and Mm -hmm. the sheriff Brackett kind of steps into that role or tries to he's not very good at it but he's trying to be that guy
2: oh no the deadpan sheriff
0: and so is tommy doyle but you don't even know who he is because he's not in these minutes
2: god okay i have to go watch the movies now (laughs) bye guys
0: (laughs) so your assignment suddenly i was thinking Mission Impossible because so a your assignment, should you choose to accept it.
2: I, I accept. Just don't just to go self-destruct. Watch the movie
0: and <laughs> come back in some later minutes and talk about the other characters.
2: Well, I hope I didn't infuriate your listeners enough to have them not want me back.
0: <laughs> oh, they don't get to vote.
2: Oh, <laughs> You vetoed that real quick.
0: Unless there are thousands of them, you know, like tens of thousands of listeners. If I got that popular and they don't want you back, yeah,
2: you're not coming back. I got voted off the <laughs> island, I'm sorry. I'll go back to my own Mike Myers.
0: Yeah, I think they'll allow that.
2: <laughs> it's okay, we're on like um, separate islands, we can wave to each other. Yeah, We know that we share a namesake, kind of, mm-hmm. and then that's it. Yep.
0: Bracket2nd29 asks, what do we do? I'm not sure if he believes Loomis yet, but he's at least asking. Loomis doesn't know that Michael killed Christopher, the mechanic, So he says he's been here tonight. I think he will come back. I'm going to wait for him, which is a bad idea. As I explained to Johnny in a previous minute, this scene and the cemetery scene are kind of the movie's way of keeping Loomis around, even though he's not doing much. He's going to wait. He ends up waiting outside. We get a funny scene later when some kids come to the house. But mostly Loomis doesn't do anything until almost too late. Bracket says he should notify radio and television, and Loomis says that'll you know that create panic. They'll be seeing him on every street corner. They'll look for him in every house. Loomis, is he's projecting here. Getting back to that psychology, Johnny. He thinks the town is going to be as crazy as him, I think.
2: He made a good choice, though. Yeah? Even if he is like bananas, he made a good choice to not but create not pandemonium. Panic, yeah. Well, and also it alerts the person that you're looking for, that they're being looked for, more readily
0: (laughs) true yeah if there's multiple police cars going around michael might not come out and kill anyone which is good but that also means they don't catch him you got one police car looking for him michael might not think anything of it and as we'll see in later minutes michael comes out as much as he wants because no one's around over on the street where the doyles and the wallaces live
2: why is no one around
0: it's the way they present this town on Halloween. It's very quiet. You see a few children trick-or-treating until it gets dark, and you see almost no adults. Like, the adults have parties to go to or something. This town is... whatever. I don't know. It's 78. Maybe they're all swingers. But it's the point to, like, this... <laughs> that
2: <laughs> yeah. fits into my movies.
0: It's, it's the point to, like, the slasher film thing that comes out of Halloween, that the adults either aren't around or are ineffective loomis and Brackett here are ineffective they know something's happening but they can't do anything about it and so the teenagers the main characters are stuck on their own and they don't even know what's coming
2: i kind of like that though because it seems like no adult could help michael yeah so there's no adult helping the kids
0: and the opening sequence he kills his sister he walks outside and that's when his parents get home just late enough that he was able to kill their daughter
2: Listen, these parents, watch your kids.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the lessons of slasher films. All the parents are bad at parenting because they let their kids do everything on their own. All the cops are bad at being cops because they don't trust anybody.
2: Authority is not helpful and abstinence is the only answer. (laughs) I feel like those are the only two (laughs) rules.
0: I don't know about the abstinence side, but it's definitely (laughs) the young people need to take care of themselves, which is... This this is still like the birth of the slasher film tropes, but that's a big one, is that the teenagers always have to figure out how to deal with stuff without the adults. That's how they survive. Hmm. Second 47, the angle changes as Loomis finishes talking. Second 49, the more evocative music goes away and we're back to that simple paired chime His monologue time is over. Bracket says, I'll check back in an hour. He turns and walks out of the bedroom. And for a moment, Loomis stares at the rain gutter in the broken window, at least in the script. I'm actually not 100% sure if he does that on screen.
2: He just, like, looks longingly out the window. That's it.
0: Yeah. The script, he's supposed to be looking at that gutter that just broke the window, the thing that scared him. But yeah, maybe he's just looking out into the town, into the darkness. And we cut to an establishing shot of Doyle House, and the minute
2: ends. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun.
0: That is all for Minute 40. Uh, Once again, Johnny, how may the listeners stalk you?
2: You can find me in all the places that I mentioned earlier this week, but if you want to get really close to me, which sounds very creepy in the context of a stalker, you (laughs) can join My listeners group, which is the Electric Psychedelic Pussycat Swingers Club, and do all the other things too, like follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and you know, stalk me through your ears and listen to me speak to you about the other Mike Myers.
0: And you can stalk me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram, Michael Myers Minute, which is actually probably more fun to follow than the Twitter or the Facebook, honestly, or join the Facebook listeners group 45 Lambkin Lane. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. Until next time.
2: See you later. Bye. Bye.
0: So, second now 29. I feel like I have bracket. to keep... Go ahead. I'll come back to this. No, go ahead. You got something to say? No, say go. It. I was going to go into the minute again. You want an example? Okay, this is page four of my notes. This is the Halloween 2 panel. It says, regarding last scene, Rick's delivered cut had Jimmy in the ambulance. Dino, De Laurentiis called the cut so slow, and he wanted, for example, the razor blade scene cut with the little kid. Producers and everyone, of course, wanted that scene, so it stayed. But, like, there was a conflict over what went in there. It wasn't necessarily up to the director. Next notes, on the same page. Lost scene. Rick describes. Wait, Rick describes this? Or Pamela describes this? it Rick and Pamela. That's confusing. Oh no, Rick does, and then she comes in. Pamela, at the nurse's station, the nursery. Michael bumps a table, and a musical gorilla, I think they're usually monkeys, but he's a gorilla, sounds and starts playing music. And we get Michael's POV after he hides in a closet, looking through slats, waiting for him to jump out as Pamela comes in. Pamela, of course, plays Karen, Nurse Karen. And part of the scene is in the movie, with him going through the kids thing. But, uh, waiting for him to jump out, but he doesn't. And Rick says, this plays with your expectations. What did it mean when he didn't kill anyone? Was it because of the children? And Pamela comes in and says this set up the bud fake out later. Better than the movie does. Which is cool. <laughs> I'm embellishing my notes right now. <laughs> you can't see it and I'm just adding things so this isn't very helpful. Rick says and question regarding a question about the planes being overhead while they were filming apparently this is from the commentary track I haven't listed the commentary track on Halloween too so I don't know. If they had so much problems with planes flying overhead that they eventually put a guy on a roof nearby with a walkie-talkie and he was spotting gaps in the planes so that they'd know when they could film and rick says no this was his first movie later he would have known that they could just loop all the dialogue anyway and just keep filming and then someone asked about donald pleasance and dean cundy says donald was a consummate gentleman uh between scenes he'd be pacing and talking to himself and donald was just practicing his lines even for this little movie this was regarding halloween one nancy stevens says uh donald was very funny like in their scene in the car he would make her laugh between takes and they'd be having a great time and then he would what did she say he pull himself together i think she said amazingly so he'd go back to being perfectly serious and she's still like having trouble because she's laughing And Rick says when Loomis is stabbed at the end of Halloween 2, they all thought he was actually hurt because he did such a great job falling against the gurney. That's a page of notes.